Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. How sweet it is, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, how sweet it is. Life is good. Life is good. All right. Recording here on a beautiful Sunday evening. The, it was a really nice day today, for real. Um, I'm I am so screwed though because uh, it doesn't feel like the time that it is right now. So I know that tomorrow is going to be pretty miserable. Uh, it's almost nine o'clock here, and I really wanted to get this started quite early, but uh, uh, no can do, no can do. But here we are, episode 158 of this wonderful show, Three Beers In. We are approaching 160, and then the next goal, of course, 200. And either way, I'm going to do the show until I die. But here we are, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Dom. So happy to have you all here, uh, especially all of our new listeners, because the show is ever-growing. And everyone in France, um, bonjour, because there's a pretty big uh, pretty big uh, following in France right now, which is really, really interesting. And I am just so happy that everyone's listening. It's still such a great, wonderful experience uh, to do this show, and I will continue on no matter what. So this week on 158, we are doing Tropical IPA Hakuna Matata. Or is it just Tropical IPA? I don't know. I'll find out. The You know, this is a show, right? I should know what I'm talking about. Uh, from D9 Brewing Company. And they're out of, where are they from here? <clears throat> Brewed and packaged by uh, District 9 Brewing in uh, Cor- Cornelius, North Carolina. Uh, D9 Brewing Company, Tropical IPA. And it says here on the can Hakuna Matata. It has like a tiki dude with his tongue hanging out. And I always, I don't know, You can you just say Hakuna Matata? Um, you know, isn't that like copywritten by Disney? I know, I mean, they'll, they'll come right after you. It's a pretty nice bottle. It's got the tiki guy with some palm behind him, and uh, it's independent, which we're into. Uh, it's one pint, 6.6, that's a tall boy cans, 6.6 ABV, India Pale Ale. Uh, I already had it, and I wrote down all the notes. I like to drink the beer before I do the show and then have one while I do the review to try to maybe just make sure everything stays within the parameters of what I wrote before, as you all know. And for those of you that are just joining, now you know. <coughs> um, so also, what do we got here? Uh, for my show beer, because I like to drink some beer while I talk to you guys, even though I don't like to take too many breaks, I'm having Bitburger, which is the premium Pilsner. I like to keep it light, so I'll go with a Pils or um, something that isn't extremely hoppy or extreme because I like to kind of keep the palate kind of cleansed for when I do the review uh, and then post uh, notebook review review because I write it all down here and we got uh, we got we got a nice show for you guys. So so here's the fun thing. Here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off by um, by letting me I mean, look, look, I've been talking to you guys for a long, long time doing the show for years. And I, you know that I'm always going to give it to you straight. I'm always going to be very straightforward. I'm going to be honest because that's what I pride myself on, honesty. And we have to we have to address the elephant in the room, which is the coronavirus. How is the coronavirus affecting Three Beers In? Everyone wants answers, okay? Everyone wants to know what's going to happen. So I will say, what kind of a plan do we have here at Three Beers In? What we're going to do is we're going to make sure that that fridge is stocked with enough beer to make sure that we'll be able to survive this terrible, terrible uh, disease. But am I going to stand here, am I going to sit here in fear monger like the rest of the media out there? Because I am media. I am a podcast. One of the uh, pioneers of podcasting. Let me say, uh-huh. Will I fear monger you guys? Will I give you guys false information or make you feel unsafe? The answer is yes. 
yes, be afraid. Be very afraid. The the virus is coming. No. Let's all calm down here because let me tell you something. I've I've been in situations where I've been exposed to some of the most deadliest diseases on the world. No, I, 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 on two occasions when I worked in the inpatient side of things at the hospital, I had to care for patients that had tuberculosis. And what they would have... Now, that's a very deadly uh, lung disease that you get. That's an infectious disease. It's highly, highly contagious. And uh, it'll just eat your lungs away uh, until you die. It's, it's terrible. I remember I went to the Bodies Exhibit in New York City, Manhattan... Uh, many years ago, and they showed you like healthy lung tissue, which was just because what they do in the bodies exhibit is they take the, they took dead bodies of prisoners like in this and ja- the in this Chinese jail, right? And they when the prisoners died, they just kind of like quote unquote donated their bodies to science, like the government just took their bodies because you know China, um, and they showed you uh, you know that's another conversation if that's you know whatever you know. Uh, they took the healthy lung, they showed you the healthy lung, which was a set of complete lungs with trach all the way down to the lower lobe of the lungs. And then they showed you tuberculosis lung, and it's literally just giant gaping holes in the lungs. So what would happen is when we worked in the inpatient setting, uh, anyone that was going to be exposed to this particular uh, patient, and for my case, it was two patients uh, over my five-year time in the hospital, You had to be fitted specifically for the N95 mask. And the N95 mask is really uh, big in the news right now because people are trying to go out and get them and trying to make sure that uh, and trying to um, uh, gobble them up and make sure that they're safe from the coronavirus. So the N95 mask is moot to you, the general population, unless it's fitted properly on your face. Most people don't know exactly the proper way to do so. The proper way to do so when we were in the hospital was we were put in a room uh, with uh, clinicians. And uh, they put a they you put the mask on. They try to fit it to your face proper, and uh, especially if you had a beard, because I carried a beard all you know since you know eighth grade probably. They put a specific uh, helmet hood type thing on your head with the mask on, and they spray a sweet tasting aerosol spray into the helmet structure. And now a lot of people, uh, you know, you can't brush this off, right? Like you're they're telling you like. We're fitting you for equipment that will protect you from death. So be honest when we do this. Because it was time-consuming, but, you know, you understood the severity of what was going on. It's about your own protection. What they would spray inside the helmet hood uh, structure was a sweet-tasting aerosol spray that they would tell you to breathe in. And and if you were to smell, because once it goes into your olfactory uh nose mouth area which we do here and i bring this up because it's relating to beer beer is about smell and taste right and protection from the coronavirus and other deadly airborne pathogens are about smell and taste so uh if you tasted or or smelt tasted like if it goes in your nose you kind of like get the taste as well the sweet aerosol obviously the mask was not fitted properly and they had to readjust or you had to adjust your beard not telling you to shave it because obviously there are religious uh there are people where the religion dictates that they're not allowed to shave it uh but you can trim uh and it's for your safety so obviously there's going to be some uh, leeway there you would have to readjust everything to make sure it was at the proper the proper uh whatchamacallit to, to fit and then once you had it all done and over with uh then you would be allowed to go ahead and take care of the patient that had 
this droplet. It's usually for general droplet precautions, but they're very, very serious when it comes to um, tuberculosis uh, because it's it can be spread so quickly, and it's very deadly. So <clears throat> people out there that are going on Amazon and playing the and paying the gouged prices for an N95 mask, you're not trained or have people trained around you to make sure that you're getting the proper fitting for that mask. So what you're do, what you're essentially doing to yourself is purchasing the mask, paying an, a, a stupid price for it, and it doesn't matter because it's not going to protect you. <sighs> Sorry, it's a very big mug. It's going to make that noise, and I apologize. So you're not protecting yourself. You're going to give yourself a peace of mind, and that's what I'm trying to get to right now. So when it comes to something like this, we went through this with the swine flu. Listen, I know the people that listen to the show are pretty sensible individuals, and 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 they're and they're very they're very forward thinking, and they're and they're for themselves. I love the guys that listen to the show, the guys and gals that listen to the show. But there are some of you that might be a little concerned. Let me put your mind at ease. The panic of this virus is more dangerous than the actual virus. When this news came out out of Wuhan, China, that there was a problem with this uh, coronavirus, this, that, and the third, uh, people started to panic and stuff like that. I was pretty deep in downrange investigating this stuff way before uh, it really hit the mainstream media because at the time, and I don't like to bring up politics, but at the time, the main uh, story was the impeachment of the president, Donald Trump. So a lot of people were really focused in on that. And not focusing on the coronavirus. And what was funny was some citizen journalists and other people that were on the ground, keeping their ear to the ground, uh, some of them were doom crying right off the bat, saying that uh, this is the most deadliest virus. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, a lot of people were more grounded because I like to look at different uh, sources of news and stuff like that. Um, but one of the things that was constant when it was talking about this virus was that it was an, indeed a problem. Because uh, when it hits the vulnerable population such as young children, and even though young children are showing that they're actually not that not doing that bad, and uh, older people and some people that are immunocompromised, prompt compromised, it's really not going to be, it's, it's not necessarily that deadly. However, it is extremely uh, contagious. So I, I read a, a study, not so much a study, but an article from a scientist who was working in the field of viruses and all that stuff, so the SARS virus that came out, uh, I think it was in 2002, again from China, there's a scale that they use, a scale model that they use in terms of being able to tell you how, how uh, contagious a virus is. And it, and it goes from 0 to 4.0. The SARS virus was very contagious, and it was on that scale was a 0 0.4, but still very, very contagious. The, the coronavirus on that same scale is 3.8, which means that you could probably take all of the precautions proper, like the proper precautions, uh, excluding quarantining yourself, meaning not going out and stuff like that, and you'll still probably get it. Now, there are people that get it that are asymptomatic, meaning that they don't have symptoms. There are people that get it that uh, uh, get sick <clears throat> and recover with no problems. Uh, the pro the main thing that people have to focus on is that we only found out about the virus in, I think it was mid-January or something like that, or, or late January. It very well could have been widespread throughout the United States and the globe before 
the, the February date, because the problem here is we're dealing with a country, China, China, that is not very reliable with their information because they are quite, they are autocratic and they are they don't want anything to hurt their Chinese brand and stuff like that. And there's so many conspiracy theories going around saying that maybe the Chinese plan to do this and stuff like that. I don't know. The Chinese are very shrewd and uh, and cutthroat. I don't know. But I will say this. If you're very concerned, right, you go out and you get yourself a case of water or whatever. You get yourself some – you should already have rice and non-perishables. You got that stuff on your shelves because the only thing that I foresee happening – in the United States, which is it's still quite a long shot, is the panic is going to be more deadlier than the virus. And what will happen is even if do if people do get the virus, they're just going to stay home and wait it out. When they stay home and wait it out, that means that a lot of companies and a lot of stores and a lot of places are not going to be able to restock their shelves as quick and stuff like that. So if you are very uh, if you really desperately need certain things, certain foods or certain uh um, medicines or something like that. You just get a little bit of it and, and call it a day. You should be fine. There should be no problems whatsoever. The whole washing the hands thing, you know, don't touch your face, that's great, but I think that's all just peace of mind stuff. Like, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. It's just like the flu, and 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 that's that. Um, again, not trying to fear monger or anything like that, <laughs> even though I, I'm on the record saying uh, to uh, friends and family, uh, I think about a month and a half ago, I was like, Oh, everyone's going to get it. Everyone. You, me, everyone you know is going to get it. That was all based off that article that I read and stuff like that. Whether it's true or not, who knows? But I will say this. It is the uh, talk of the town right now. Uh, Costco, I think two weeks ago or, or a week and a half ago, was completely empty on Staten Island. People are, are are freaking the fuck out. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, come on, people. We're going to weather the storm. We're going to be fine. And everyone keeps bringing up the Spanish flu. It was funny because this Netflix show, Pandemic, I think, came out. And, like, it's kind of like it coincides with what's going on right now. So it's kind of like the perfect storm of people freaking the fuck out about this stuff. But listen, it's going to be all right. There's there's no problem here. Um, yeah, Spanish flu did kill a lot of fucking people. But you have to understand another pr- perspective thing here. And I want to get off this topic because this is a beer show. But I wanted to open it up with this. Um <laughs> the the places that are reporting the most deaths are they're not necessarily the best equipped with healthcare you know uh rural china reporting these deaths and stuff and again whatever china reports i'm not paying attention to that i don't think that they're very reliable i'm going to look at like what italy is saying japan south korea stuff like that uh philippines thailand everyone outside of the uh autocratic <laughs> communist chinese is who I'm going to pay attention to when it comes to what's ever happening with the coronavirus. And other than uh, other than what we see here out of Wuhan and all these other provinces in China, people are recovering and doing all right. So uh, people are surviving more than they're dying. There are people passing away in the United States. I get that. But also there's anywhere from 56 to 90,000 people that die in the United States a year from the flu anyway. And the Spanish flu was a bad mix of... Um, soldiers returning home from World War One and just poor health conditions. I mean, and poor health care. Uh, people weren't very good with uh, germs and and with hand washing and stuff like that. But now, healthcare professionals are more prepared, and they're more prepared than ever. 
and everything should be a-okay. So stay calm. Everything's going to be fine. And now real quick before, and while we moving along here, just want to bring this up real quick. You know, I'm a big sumo fan. I bring it up here a lot on the show. Um, this is probably when people start tuning out. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into the sumo, but uh, Japan is kind of hit with this right now. They canceled their school uh, schooling for the, the kids, I think like um, three, three weeks early. So, I mean, when the headline is Japan closes all schools, but it's like no one realizes that the China, uh, the, the Japanese school year was pretty much over. So everyone wants to just keep fear mongering and the, and the mainstream media is kind of really fucking just giving it to people right now. And it's really getting them scared. And I, and I really hate that. But nonetheless, um, the uh, Basho uh, this uh, month is has no crowd, has no no one in the stands. So it's funny because you're watching because I get to I catch it on YouTube channel. I think it's called Jason Sumo Channel. Um, shout out to Jason Sumo Channel. And you know he he he's a, he lives in Japan. He's I think he's an English teacher in Japan. He also speaks Japanese. So there you go. And he'll uh, replay most of the uh, bouts and stuff like that. And you, it's just so bizarre to see these guys on the dohyo or the ring or whatever and uh, doing the sumo with just no noise, just no noise whatsoever other than the the traditional um, dances and stuff that they do prior to the actual uh, bout. So um, if you want to see something interesting, uh, go to Jason's sumo channel um, and have a look at some of those latest uh, videos and you will see, if you're not into sumo, it's one thing or another, but if you want to see this just completely empty stadium, uh, you know, very limited uh, media is allowed. The rikshi or the wrestlers are their temperature is checked very frequently. It's just really interesting to see that they're having a full on tournament without a crowd there. And it, I just think that it, it, it's an interesting part of this entire thing. And, and it might kind of I don't know if it'll bring you peace, but it's just an interesting th thing to look at. So so let's get to the hop of this week, shall we? All right, this week we are doing Dana hops. There is no Dana, only Zool. That's from uh, from Ghostbusters. Uh, the one that didn't have the women in it. Uh, <laughs> and it's International Women's Month, so uh, shout out to all the ladies out there. So shout out to the Ghostbusters that had all the women in it, because, you know, girl power, man. For real. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic with that. I'm just uh, I'm being for real. Dana or also known as Extra Styrian Dana, as it's often known, is a Slovenian hot breed from Hollertau Magnum and a wild Slovenian male. I love when they talk about the hops and how things are. Like it's some sort of a, like a, like a stable or something like that. It's just, it, it just boggles my mind. You know, oh, we've got these polo ponies that we're breeding, but they're just hops. A product of the Institute of Hop uh, Research in Zalek, Slovenia, and God bless them if they still exist, because the Institute of Hop Research is something that we need. Uh, it is said to feature quality and harmonious bittering properties alongside a slightly for, uh, floral and citrus flavor profile. And that's it. Also known as Styrian Dana, Extra Styrian Dana, and Extra Styrian Dana. I think the extra... Oh, it's extra with E-K... S-E-R-A. I guess that's maybe the Slovenian way to say it. So it's a, it has subtle floral and citrus characteristics. 
Its purpose is for bittering and aroma, and its alpha acid composition is uh, 11 to 16%. You know, this this gives me a moment to to comment on the alpha acid composition because that that is the main uh, component that we read about when it comes to the bittering aspect of some of these hops. You see a lot of these 11 to 16%, and then when you have the beers, it's... It, the bittering isn't so much there. So I really wonder about that. And as I go on with my brewing, because I have not brewed a beer since October, right? I mean, it's been too long. So I need to really get back into that. And I and I guess now that this that this basement might be heating up a little bit, I don't have the oh, excuse me, the thermometer down here to let me know, but it's gonna be oh, excuse me. Hold on. Oh, Big burps coming out there. It's going to be a lot better for the uh, fermentation. So, uh, like I said, I think I said it before, my next beer is going to be a Hefeweizen. I really like Hefeweizens, and I think a homemade one would be really, really delicious. Uh, so, as soon as I can get everything together with that, I'm going to do it. And I also said I was going to make a mead. Someone that I, a friend of mine that I know, challenged me to make a mead with him. And I haven't done that yet, but uh, I do plan on it. The torn meniscus does not help that much, but I'm going to dedicate a weekend to that as soon as I can. Maybe after my daughter's first birthday, after my birthday, which happens to be next week. Oh my goodness, it's my birthday. And it's, it lands on a Saturday, and that's usually when I want to record. I don't want to record on a Sunday because I got work the next day. Um, what am I going to do for my birthday? What am I going to do for a birthday episode? Should I do something... Hmm. I'm going to try to maybe come up with something. Am I a creative enough person to come up with something crazy for my birthday episode? Maybe. Who knows? R.I.P. James Lipton, by the way. Okay, going to do the beer news now. And uh, this beer news is brought to you by Lyme's disease. Because if you're going to get the coronavirus, you can't have corona without Lyme. So if you're going to get one, get both. Am I right? Maybe you shouldn't. Don't get any diseases if you can. So, so what I'm going to do here with the um, with the beer news portion of the show from now on in perpetuity, because I think it's important. Majority of my listeners are from Staten Island, so I'm going to give the exposure of these craft breweries that are local to me. So, what I'm going to do uh, because I have listeners all over the United States and the world, I'm going to tell you the latest news from. Flagship and Killsboro and Ripsom and Horman. And then I'm going to get into the articles that I have uh, that I've procured over the time that we have spent uh, without each other. So uh, first things first, uh, Flagship had their launch party um, very recently. I think it was on the 26th of February. So they still have this beer there, if I'm not mistaken. They had their Irish coffee stout. I think that's going to be a really nice dessert drink to have after your corned beef and cabbage uh, coming up with this. St. Patty's Day here uh, next next week, right? Is it on a Tuesday? Anyway, their collaboration brew was with their friends over at Unique Coffee Roasters, which is a coffee roasting, it's a coffee shop, 30 years of roasting expertise in the best quality fair trade organic rainforest alliance certified coffees roasted daily in New York City at 3075 Richmond Terrace, New York, New York. Uh, and... This Irish coffee stout was brewed in collaboration with them. It really looks fantastic. I love the packaging of it. Uh, they show 
uh, on their Instagram flagship brewery. If you go to their Instagram, they show it being bottled. Uh, it's really a really a miraculous looking uh, situation here where they they I'm sorry, not bottling it, but canning it, put it in the can, put it in the conveyor belt, put the uh, the labels on it, and they're stacking them out, stacking them up and watching it live. Oh, then they put the the rings on it. Oh, it's just really great. Oh, it's shown by a man with a lovely beard. So unique coffee. And then it has a picture of the, uh, I think that's Jay from Flagship. Uh, the release happened. Uh, and, and it really looks at, like a really nice, delicious beer. I want to get my hands on it. I want to get down there and have it and make sure of it. So, so make sure that you can get down there. And they also, oh, so I thought I hit pause. I'm sorry. They also have, because uh, I hit it by accident. They also uh, have a winter ale out there right now. So I, 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 I'm, the fuck was that? Oh my God. I'm dying out here. Sounded like my whole world had an error there. I was having a bit of a brain fart, but I didn't know that Windows was in my brain. Nonetheless, they also have a uh, winter ale out there right now, and I need to make my way out to Flagship and get get a couple of these beers. At least try them if I'm not going to buy uh, from them, but uh, at least go out there and maybe uh, ask him a try or give me a, give me a couple of them. Uh, so what, what what's Killsboro's got going on right now? Uh, so uh, New York City Beer Week uh, was... Uh, it was last month, basically, but they uh, Killsburg came out with three different beers. They had Muteka Motuke or Muteka Gestures, which is a 6.9 ABV single hop IPA, uh, which is a juicy New England style IPA with lactose and dry hopped exclusively with Muteka hops, which sounds really fantastic. Uh, Gimme Gimme Blackberry Peach, a sour ale with blackberry peach and lactose. Tart with a big body and a smooth finish, coming at 6.2% ABV. Uh, Rip It Hardcore, a triple hopped, triple dry hopped, triple IPA. Uh, that sounds fucking nuts. A triple dry hopped, triple IPA, 10% ABV, brewed in collaboration with Icarus Brewing. Uh, this beach features a generous around, amount of mosaic added to active fermentation, dry hopped with an obnoxious amount of Vic Secret and Muteka hops. And all of those beers were available for the opening bash at the uh, New York City Beer Week. And they released them uh, at the Craft House, Staten Island. Craft House is located uh, at 60 Van Duzer Street in Staten Island, New York, uh, where they have just really, they feature all the latest fantastic Killsboro beers. And, you know, I really got to take my hat off to Killsboro because they do such unbelievable crazy stuff uh they're doing a sour ipa right now butterfly pea flower and lavender it's their amethyst double dry hopped sour ipa with blueberries vanilla beans lavender and butterfly pea flower it really looks fantastic if you go on there right now you go to killsboro on their um instagram that's k-i-l-l-s-b-o-r-o uh you could see the process that they're doing and I'm very proud to report that these are the breweries in my town. And I really just love that about about this. I'm proud of them. I'm really proud that this is a part of uh, where I live. I think it's really fantastic. And, you know, I think it's important for me to uh, to celebrate them because they're right here in my backyard. Uh, I've said that time and time again. you got to find the place closest to you and, uh, and you got to celebrate them for what they do because it's not easy to be a brewery today. Uh, especially how, uh, you know, last week or the week before I was reading about that guy that was in the craft brewery industry and he's saying how it's going. So you got to support these places. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I think craft, uh, uh, 
craft beer drinkers have big hearts as it is because it's a pretty uh, pretty big but uh, not big umbrella or tent that we're in. And uh, it's important that you just get to know who's who's around you and support them. I'm all for, I mean, I'm a national show. I have beers from all over the United States and beyond. And, uh, you know, I give everybody a fair shake. I uh, enjoy these beers, and I try to give everyone uh, an idea of what's going on here with them. But uh, it's very important that uh, you, you stay true to what's local because that's what it's all about. First article I came across was from uh, a place in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, Big Grove in Iowa City uh, sees a lot of people coming through the doors most weekends. And uh, on Friday, Big Grove partnered with uh, the Johnson County Domestic Violence Innovation Program to release the newest beer, Quality uh, spelled Q-U-A-L-I-T-E-A. It's lovely, said Fiona Johnson, and I usually don't drink sours, but I like it. And this uh, particular brewery was trying to uh, donate and make sure to raise awareness for domestic violence. A dollar from every sale from the Spur Beer is going towards helping victims of domestic violence with shelter, travel, and many other aspects. Those services look different depending on the victim or survivor, said Alta Medea Peters with the Johnson County Domestic Violence Innovation Program. Her organization helped nearly 2,000 people from um, in 2019, 300 of those who were children. Well, being a nonprofit means that there is a need to raise funds. They said the most important part of the event and sales are getting... Uh, this 1-800-373-1043 phone number in front of people in need. They can call uh, and get plugged into the services that they need, that are provided. With Friday being the 40th anniversary of the DVIP, oh shit, let's throw this over here, 100 years of women's voting rights, uh, those supporting the cause said it's uh, more important to ever help the victims of domestic violence. And that is true. And I really got a hats off to this brewery out here. Uh, in Big Grove. So if you're in this area, be very proud of what your brewery is doing out there because um, domestic violence is one of the most disgusting aspects of our of, of our existence. Uh, people, I hate bullies, man. I hate people that bully those that are that are um, not able to defend themselves as much, and it's really just just it's disgusting to me. And uh, so, big shout out to them and uh, just raising that awareness and. Uh, trying to put a, a better foot forward for, for people that are victims and uh, helping them out. I think that's fantastic. mcall.com, also known as The Morning Call here, says out of bankruptcy, Easton's Weyerbacher Brewing trying to regain position in crowded craft beer market, and it won't be easy. So I didn't even know this, that Weyerbacher was in trouble. That's the only brewery that like I know like off the top of my head. If people are talking about Pennsylvania breweries, I'm like, oh, I know Weyerbacher out there in, in Easton. And I've had their Merry Monk, I think it's a double or triple, and there's also the Blithering Idiot, uh, idiot Quad. Uh, I really love Merry Monk. Like when it, when I was in my Belgian phase, that was my go-to, and uh, it's it's really a fantastic, fantastic Belgian. Uh, so one of Weyerbacher Brewing Company's uh, year-round beers is called Last Chance IPA, a balanced citrus-flavored concoction that's lighter than the brewery's lineup of big Belgian-style brews. They take a little bit longer to drink. Uh, I didn't read this before, so... Oh, shit, it wants me to sign up. I'm not interested. 
Don't tell me to sign up. Now out of bankruptcy, the nearly 25-year-old Eastern business is trying to seize a last chance of its own to regain its financial footing, and it's in a challenging, crowded craft beer market. Weyerbacher uh, also is attempting to shake off the bankruptcy stigma, which hurt taproom businesses, uh, taproom business, as patrons mistakenly believe the brewery had shuttered. Uh, we're still hearing it, maybe not as much, but they're like, oh, we didn't know you guys were still here, said my Ch- Matt Schneider, a six-year employee and head brewer. I mean, it's been tough because those uh, struggles through bankruptcy, our market share decreased, and we're working uh, on getting that back. It was just a matter of... Uh, it was just a matter of we couldn't get the product out. That scared people. They hear rumors and they uh, don't see the beer on the shelves. They put two and two together. We're still here. It's been hard, but we're still here. Aside from making that abundantly clear to people uh, holding a, by holding events, Weyerbacher is focusing on its core beers for store distribution while uh, producing small batches of new brews for its two tra- uh, tap rooms. The brewery also trimmed payroll and shook up its leadership team, which restored founder Dan Weyerbach to the helm as president and brought in former finance executive with a checkered past to help turn the business around. While the brewery, in a way, is hoping for a new beginning, plenty of financial hurdles still remain on the path to a steady revenue cycle. For example, a court filing last month shows Weyerbacher owes about $80,000 in rent to its landlord, at 905 Line Street, which Weyerbach is working to resolve. In addition, bankruptcy documents show Weyerbacher had a net loss worth of $250,000 in December, which Weyerbach, it's Weerbach claimed on machinery, uh, blamed on machinery breakdowns that affected wholesale revenues. While he said those issues have been cleared up, things are moving forward in a positive way. The brewery remains on the hunt for additional capital that would make uh, its future a bit easier to forecast. They're looking for investments and and the like and trying to really climb out of the hole that they're in right now. And I'll tell you right now, um, this is a bit sad for me because I had no idea that uh, Weyerbacher was in trouble or or even had claimed bankruptcy. Um, again, uh, when you're not in the store as much as, as you used to be like me, I used to be in those... Um, in those in uh, craft beer stores all the time. I, I really do love all their beers uh, that I've had. I really haven't had a beer from them that um, that I didn't like. So I really do hope they they make it. I just hope that their size of brewery is agile enough to to sustain themselves. Um, obviously, they're having a bit uh, of a hard time with it. Uh, I really hope that uh, they can uh, pull through because uh, for me that they're pretty they're pretty darn good. Um, this is from app.com rush drummer, Neil Pert honored with charity craft beer release by carton brewing. A central Jersey craft brewery is honoring a late great rock and roll legend with a brand new beer charity, uh, beer release. Legendary drummer, Neil Pert died in January at the age of 67, very young after three and a half year battle with brain cancer. That's so terrible. On Wednesday, March 4th, carton brewing, Carton Brewery of uh, Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, unveiled the lime-lighted Canadian lager pronounced Pier T. At 5% ABV, the beer is available at Carton's East Washington Avenue Tasting Room at $21.12 per four-pack, 
with all of the proceeds, all of the proceeds to be donated in part's name to research into glioblastoma type uh, of brain cancer Pert was diagnosed with. Uh, according to the USA Today report following Pert's death, glioblastoma is the highest grade and most malignant form of glioma, a type of tumor that begins and generally stays within the brain. I get Rush. I love Rush. Those of you that know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. Uh, brewery co-founder Augie Carton said in a statement, We lost Neil, and that made me really sad. I'm trying to find a way to uh, make a to make that feel better. Pronounced Pier T combines Pilsner and Vienna malts, oh, with Muteca hops and lime puree for a beer that is playful, crisp, and incredibly refreshing. Now, this is, I, I brought up this Muteca hops a couple times. I might have to do that next week on the uh, on the hop of the week because apparently it's pretty hot right now. I'm really proud of the product, said Carton, lead brewer. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, because the other guy's name is Carton. I'm really proud of the product, said Carton lead brewer Mike Stark. I think it came out really nice, and I'm proud to, I'm proud I get to do it for a charity like that. Stark began developing a lime-enhanced lager prior to Pert's Beth, death, but he was listening to Rush during the final product, and it, he, it gave him inspiration. I think that's really neat. When it comes to lime in beer, uh, if you're not adding it, you know, in a Corona, sorry to say, um... It can be good, it can be bad, but uh, the only time I've really had a lime exposure in terms of beer was the Dogfish Head Sea Quench, uh, which is a sour, but it really went well with what, with what they were trying to achieve, and uh, I think it's really cool that uh, people are going to uh, donate 100% of their proceeds going to the to the research here. That's, you know, that's really substantial, and I think that's really neat. So more power to them, more power to them. Time to review this wonderful beer here. Let's pour, we're pouring. Let's, let's get it going. Pouring it out into this beautiful glass. Gifted to me from the great Pete Sullivan. Pete, if you're listening, I love you, man. Got to link up. Pouring it out here. And what do we have in the can? We have, yeah, D9 Tropical IPA. Give you a pretty good description here. Let me see if I can bring up their website real quick while I uh, I tell you what we have here. So it's a uh, it's being put out there as a IPA. It says here an American India Pale Ale uh, from Beer Advocate. Let's see here if we do D nine Tropical IPA. What do we have here? So what do they have on their website? It's a year-round uh, release. Oh, God, i got to get my fucking birthday. I get it. you got to do that. The year is invalid. Well, I hit, hit it by accident. 1955. Whatever. Okay. Uh, uh, the Hakuna Matata is the name of the beer. Okay, that settles that. It's a tropical IPA brewed using hops from the United States, UK, Germany, Slovenia, and New Zealand. The result is a much more balanced, less bitter, but f more flavorful dank-style IPA with hints of mandarin orange, pineapple, grapefruit, and elderflower. Uh, they have here 6.5% uh, and 72 IBUs. So on the can that I have here, it's 
72 IBUs is a pretty pretty high up there on the bitterness scale. So we pour it out here. We have, similar to last week, uh, a deep amber color. Uh, pretty active carbonation. No floaties or anything like that. We got two fingers of head that uh, dissipated quite quickly. Uh, it's a white colored head. There is lacing left in the glass as we go along. It's hazy, but it's not that juice bomb color. Uh, but you cannot see through this beer. Uh, even when I hold it up to the fluorescent light, you can't see it through it. Uh, let's get a nose on it, shall we? So, we have uh, very malty uh, aromatics here. Uh, it's got a pretty interesting nose on it. Um, you get a sweet malt in the nose, very similar to that of what you would get in a winter warmer ale. Uh, not very hoppy on the nose, though. Uh, this would um, be an IPA that a IPA hater would probably tolerate very well in just the aroma alone. Because when you're smelling this beer, you're not getting any dank hops or anything like that. And even though they said that in the description, right? They said there was a, a dank style IPA with hints of Mandarin. It's, it's very malty on the nose, very sweet, almost like a candied sweetness on the nose. Very like a toffee, toffee uh, smell, caramel smell, very malt forward aroma. Uh, it's got like a little bit of a passion fruit there, but it's lacking. It's just like when I smell this, I do not get dank IPA in the nose whatsoever. <sighs> Let's taste it. Just like before, the flavors follow the nose. It's like a wholesome, sweet, bready malt on the front end there. Uh, the 6.6 is not very masked well. So I'm noticing it now, too. Okay, so there's a little, there's a slight bitterness on the back end, but you got a 6.6 here, and it's coming through just way too much. I, you know, I really shouldn't have the slightest alcohol burn here, but with the lack of hop character, you know, here we are. It's like front and center. That's one of the things that I think you have to put in the um, lacking. Um, let me try another sip here. It's got some great lacing on the glass. Really, really great lacing. For what's that? What whatever that's worth, I really don't know. I mean, everyone talks about it. It's something that everyone talks about when drinking beer and stuff. But what the fuck does lacing even mean, right? Probably something important. Um, so here I am. I'm waiting for the tropical. Um, still waiting. And it's not there. I mean, the bitterness is a slight bitterness there in the finish. Touch of mango, I'd say, but. Jesus, boy, does it just fall flat in that, that department there. Like, where's the tropical? I'm waiting for a tropical flavor to just, just jump out at me. It's a slight passion fruit. It's got an orangey characteristic to it, but in no means mandarin orange. Like, if you use, like, I mean, if they use mandarina uh, Bavaria in this, it's definitely not showing as much as, as I've tasted before in other beers. Passion fruit. Okay, I will say this about this beer. It, it's it's fairly drinkable. Okay. I don't know what elderflower fucking tastes like, to be honest. 
And like if you're gonna if you're gonna put your Hakuna Matata beer out there as a tropical IPA with the tiki guy and the and the palm trees and stuff, you gotta bring me a little bit more of a juice bomb here. Not it doesn't have to be over the top juice bomb, but hold on, let me hold on. Let me pretend. Let me pretend I'm at a luau. There's tiki torches around. There's like burgers with pineapple on them. Hold on. Tiki torch. Tiki torch. Hula hoop. Not hula hoop. What is it? The, uh, what's the one where you, how long can you go? What the hell's that called? The limbo line or something? The pogo? The limbo stick? Is that what it's called? The limbo stick? Anyway, I'm at a luau. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I have the lay on me, the, the flower around my neck. Tiki torches, citronella smell in the air. Here we go. Okuda Matata. Nope. Didn't happen. I'm sorry. I tried to put myself in a situation where I was at a tropical luau situation. And the flavor is it's just not there. So last week we did... What did we do last week? Just to, The Shape of Hops to Come, which was a Imperial IPA. At 8.5%. This is like an Imperial IPA light. Um, but what's happening here is it's not hitting the marks whatsoever. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm disappointed. Well, you know what? I am disappointed. When I got this from Joe Canals, I thought this was going to be a juice bomb. Because it said Tropical IPA on it. And it's not happening. I want to reach for the Bitburger. Actually, I've moved on to City Light here. Finish that. Yeah. No. Okay. Let's let's give the uh, let's give the style points here. So it's definitely a non-IPA drinker's like best friend. Um. So, so Rob used to hate IPAs and stuff, and he wanted like malty sweet beers and stuff like this. Uh, this would be right down his alley. Uh, the nose, like I said, had a winter warmer characteristic to it, and I think that holds true. It has very winter warmer. Um, it has a very winter warmer soul to it. Um, by all means, it's not an awful IPA, uh, but I would uh, deduct uh, points there for the label because this Hakuna Matata. I was expecting a like pineapple puree juice bomb situation when I bought it. I the way I lined them up, I was like, this one's going to be probably the juice bomb, and I would sing it high praises and give it a high score, definitely higher than the eight point nine that I gave last week for the shape of hops to come. Um, put it on the Mount Rushmore, but that's where it falls short. Is it bad? No. Is it? Does it live up to what it kind of says it is? No. Uh, drinkable IPA, pretty tasty. Uh, I would give this to someone that you're trying to maybe like slowly break into IPAs and stuff like that because it's it's not intimidating at all. Uh, but the the hop, you know what? I wouldn't actually give this to someone you're trying to break in with IPAs because it's so laid back on the hop bitterness and in the dankness of the hops. 
that I think it would do a disservice to someone that's trying to get into the IPAs. So for that fact, I'm going to give it a... Let me see, what the, what's a good score for this one? I'd say 6.2. 6.2. It's not terrible, but it's got good drinkability, you know? So I think 6.2 is good. Like, if you were going over your buddy's house who's into craft beer and stuff like this, you'd probably bring this to, like, warm up. You wouldn't bring this as, like, the marquee or the premier beer of what you're bringing. You would bring this as, like, hey, this is pretty drinkable, not too bad uh, beer, but we got good stuff we're getting to. You know what I mean? Like, you'd, you'd start off with this one, and then uh, you, then you'd go from there. But But that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the show. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope that I didn't ramble too much. I hope that I didn't get a little... I mean, I had a bit to drink tonight. Hope you were drinking with me. If you weren't, that's okay. You could always save this podcast for the weekends and have a brew with me while we chit-chat. But nonetheless, everyone, thank you for tuning in to episode 158. Is that right? 158? Hold on. Yep, thanks for listening to 158 of Three Beers In. I really appreciate everyone that listens in. Thank you all. I am going to catch you next week for my birthday. I can't wait to spend my birthday with you guys. It's going to be so much fun. I got the hiccups. I got the hiccups. All right. I love you all, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to catch you next week. Have a great week. God bless you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Take care.